ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey, I'm Kim Holderness. And I'm Ben Holderness. We host the Holderness Family Podcast every Tuesday. You may know us from the silly videos that we make online. Or a book about marriage called Everybody Fights. Or as winners of season 33 of The Amazing Race. Still can't believe that happened. Listen, we do a lot of stuff, but our podcast is our most favorite thing. Yeah, because every week we get to sit down face-to-face, talk to each other about marriage, family, mental health, or just anything that we want to know more about. Sometimes we have expert interviews, sometimes it's just us, but our goal is to bring some joy and laughter into your life every week. Our other goal is that maybe you will learn something as well. Right. So search the Holderness Family Podcast and check out our most recent episodes. We have one about staying organized with creators of the Home Edit. And one about being diagnosed with ADHD as an adult. We hope you'll join us. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com I'm Jasmine Elmer, and this is Legit Classics. Here at Legit Classics, you don't need a cravat, a rare wine collection, and a villa in Tuscany to sample the delights of the Greco-Roman world. How this is going to work is I'm going to get someone that knows some stuff about things in their field, I'm going to take the things I know about the stuff in my field, bring this all together, and give you something bigger than either of us can do on our own. Whether you're here for the lulls or the learns, buckle up, it's time to get legit. This week, my guest is the multi-hyphenate Bobby Seagull, who is, to be honest, it might be easier to say what you don't do rather than what you do do, but math is at the core, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's a very good description because... I, I love learning. I love knowledge. And maths is one of those manifestations of my knowledge. And generally what I try to like my philosophy in life is it's amazing learning something, but it's even more amazing helping someone else learn that thing that you've learned, which sure. is why I'm a teacher, I think. What is it for you that makes you so passionate about maths? I think the world can be confusing for children for many reasons. But one thing I loved about maths is that no matter what sort of day you're having, whether you burnt the toast this morning, in a maths lesson... Five times five is always going to be. Oh, 25. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. no, you got it. Okay, I yeah. got the fear. No, the fear came. It I know. was rising. I saw it. I was like, oh, asking me a maths question, even though I, I could eyes. do it. I saw okay. your eyes. Right. But yeah, that's yeah. what I love about it. Because of that, I found a way it, it connected me almost with people instantly. Like, and I always think, like, there are people thousands of years in mathematics, and we'll discuss, like, obviously, the, the, the Greeks and the Egyptians, the Babylonians. They would have come to the same understanding of me of numbers. And I, I just love the idea. And even if aliens landed on the earth today okay they might have like more than 10 fingers so they wouldn't count in base 10 they might count in base 12 <laughs> or base 60 like the, yeah. like the babylonians but they would still have a counting system and as long as we could translate we would yeah. understand prime numbers the same way so i think there's that element of universality which i've always found really comforting about that today what i really want to talk about are you know kind of essentially kind of the the history of mathematics and and it's kind of grounding in the ancient world specifically mm. here probably that with a focus on the Greeks. So, I mean, we all know our main man Pythagoras. You know, we we get. I mean, we all know about Pythagoras. I mean, what is it? A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Yeah. Spot on. There, God, there go. God knows what it's for. But you know, <laughs> there's all these theorems. There's all these people that we all have an Archimedes. But I've got one question before we get into some of the kind of legacy of these people, which yeah. is. 
What's kind of the practical application of something like Pythagoras's theorem? Because I've I learned that and I ain't never used that in my lifetime. So could you just give me a bit of a like... it's, it's, what you ask is it's a question that all maths teachers will face yeah, at some stage. We know it all the time. So if you're doing a topic, usually students get on with it, but sometimes someone will put their hand up and they're like, Mr. Seagull, Mr. Seagull. And you think, okay, is it related to the question? They'll say, What's the point of this? And and to be honest, <laughs> as a teacher, there's two responses. Sometimes even myself, I like to think I'm probably one of the most enthusiastic teachers. At times, I will still say, For sure. Shh, get on with your work. We've got break in 10 minutes. Yeah. You do that. But yeah. other times, you will try and engage with them. What is it about the topic that can mm. elevate them beyond just maths? So yeah. with Pythagoras in particular, actually, so even though we, would just, we talk about Pythagoras and his group of people, as it were, his people, um, developed that theory. Essentially, A squared plus B squared is C squared. Is If you have a right-angle triangle, all it tells you, if you draw a square on the two smaller sides, and you add up the area of that, it equals the square on the longer side, which is called the hypotenuse. I always say my students, I tell them it's called the hippopotamus, but it's called the hypotenuse, <laughs> the longer side. Pythagoras Pabamo. Pythagoras, born in Samos in Greece, around about 570 BC. He was one of the first guys to notice that the earth was probably round or spherical. Later people thought him as a divine figure. In fact, he had his own cult. It's called a mystery cult. We don't know what kind of cult this really was. Was it a kind of throw your keys in the bowl type? Or was it some kind of school of thought? Well, I think it's probably more a school of thought, but because we don't really know what happened in it, it's kind of an odd one. So when we're thinking about Pythagoras, I want us to think about him as not only a mathematician, but all of these other things as well, as kind of a great mind of the ancient world. So, Bobby, are you trying to say, because I think this is where this is where I really see so many similarities with my subject. Are you trying to say that a lot of these things are kind of the logical process? It's like brain training. So whilst I might not go around measuring Pythagoras's, oh, mm. let's do the angle over here or let's move, let me see Pythagoras's theorem in action in the real world around me. It's about the process of yeah. logically deducing because that's basically the entire point of Latin. And I have to do this. It sounds like we do the same speech. Uh, no, just, just, can you write my yeah. speeches for me and I'll write yours and we'll see if do, anyone do. in the audience spots a difference. Yeah, exactly. It's the same argument. It's the, the notion of going through something that is training the mind, logical, mm. deduction, problem solving. These are all skills that we're using 24-7 in and our lives. Math, math, math is all about you've got like these yeah. axioms, these truths, and mm. then you build maths like a pyramid. There's two elements about maths and uh, one which is very common classic. So there's a the intrinsic beauty of understanding something and building mm. a logic. And and that's what humans do. So it separates us from subsistence creatures, like whether yeah. the bonobos or millipedes, but also in defense of maths in terms of its utility. So with Pythagoras, even though the Greeks were the ones who formalized, and we can discuss it in a bit later, the Babylonians mm. and the Egyptians actually yeah. used this more for practical. So they didn't really understand the generalization. Why does it occur in like an abstract form? But they understood that if you get three knots and four knots and five knots, you can make a right angle triangle, which is obviously really useful for boundaries and demarcating lines. And actually, it's a really neat segue, segue into this kind of main section, because I wanted to start by, you know, letting people know that maths is born of philosophy. You know, the first mathematicians mm. in ancient Greece, especially, are um, the philosophers. So, you know, Plato, Pythagoras, these, these early individuals in, in kind of the Greek world. And for the Greeks, 
mathematics, you know, isn't really a subject on its... It, t- it takes time, I should say, mm. for it to become a subject in its own right. It, it really begins as a philosophical exercise, in exactly the way you've just described. Mm. And exactly... For me, that's really interesting because when you're teaching it, and if you do do what you're saying, Bobby, you're really getting kids to understand the philosophical element of mathematics by getting them to understand it comes from the mind it comes from exercising the brain so i think that that's great but let's just talk about some of these like you know put a spotlight on some of these greek mathematicians so from the ones that you that you know of or you talk about you know kind of who do you think had the biggest impact um in if especially if you're thinking about in terms of modern education so we kind Mm. of we've already chatting about our main man Pythagoras and you okay. you hinted earlier on about that sort of gang you were sort of talking oh, about the gang. Should, oh, we yeah, expl- okay. should we explain that like oh, wait, wait, about so what you know like about. you know they've got these amazing like okay you know they got this like Hollywood selfie of the people that they took a few years ago like Bradley Cooper and a few have oh, you seen that yeah. selfie yeah I have seen it yeah 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 everyone in it yeah everyone but there's a cooler version of it by Raphael so it's called uh-huh. the school of Athens it's not quite a selfie but he did this amazing uh, fresco it's actually in the apostolic palace in the Vatican City it's about five meters by eight meters amazing. and literally on it is a who's who of everyone in classical antiquity the school of Athens one of my favorite pieces of work as it were and they've got Euclid there with this protractor and geometry they got Plato, actually Da Vinci's face as Plato with Aristotle. They got Pythagoras of the book. He's next to Archimedes. And these yeah. are literally all the all the, the iconic Mac Daddies, the big up the, Mac Daddies. Like, they could be like a rap like hypotenuse. Yeah. Hypotenuse. Classics. Conjunctive. They can you do guys all that. can't see this, but Bobby's actually like I can see him on Zoom and he's actually like vibing to this. He's got his shoulders going and everything. So um, this painting will provide us with all the people. I, I will select someone from this painting as a way. I must do. Um just quickly though, on this little picture you said, did you used to have this on your bedroom wall? Yes, I did. The thing is I never realized <laughs> it's one of the things where I didn't know the implication of it for years, but it was just there on the wall. And I think the reason my dad got this to me was I used to be a fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja, Ninja Turtles. And again, they yeah. had the characters Michelangelo, Leonardo, Raphael, yeah, Donatello. Yeah. And my dad bought me a book. And you were thinking, who are these mental Italians? What have they got I to know. do with anything? They're, yeah. they're, 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 they're sort of homaged in this painting of School of Athens. Uh, and that's by Raphael. Who's a, is Raphael not? Raphael's the one with the red... Uh, you see, only thing that's worrying me a little bit, Bobby, is, you know, you were clearly destined for great things if that was on your wall. I had David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson from the X-Files. I like the, I like the X-Files. I had yeah. a crush on Gillian Anderson for years. I'm married to a man, <laughs> but even I have a crush on her. But yeah, so back to back to our, you know, kind of this image. Is there one of those individuals that you think has had like, is there one, maybe maybe even personal to you? I would actually say Euclid. Um, yes. Around the, is he geom- around... geometry? Geometry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because he um, wrote a book. Again, when he when we say he wrote a book, it's probably people around him, but he's For the sure. one that gets the credit. About 300 BC, called The Elements. And uh-huh. they essentially yes, I know it. Yeah. labelled, essentially created the foundations of geometry, number theory. And really enough, it's probably the most, actually the second best-selling book of all time behind the Bible. And it was it? essentially, yeah, second best-selling, Euclid's Elements. Hang on, hang on a minute. Did you get hang it off on. Amazon? Because I don't know if I trust their stats. <laughs> this is all time, all time. No, so I not, know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But although I, I, I'm intrigued to see if it sells. Do you want to, uh, Yasmin, now that we're friends... In yeah. future, for my if you, if I, when I come to like to my fortieth birthday or fiftieth birthday, you need to get me yeah. a lovely copy of Euclid's Elements. That, that's, that's I'll get it signed by the main man himself. Yeah, go, go, I'll go just his... write it myself, and then I'll go. Oh, look, it's original. <laughs> so, um, so this guy, I think this guy, because yeah, even okay. Einstein, 
mm-hmm. said as a child that yeah. um, if Euclid failed to kindle your youthful enthusiasm, uh, mm-hmm. then you're not born to be a scientific thinker. So Euclid right. is the person that all math... It's like the mathematician's mathematician. The He's original, the Don. He's the, the Don. original Don, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you about one mathematician mm-hmm. that to me is really, really important, and that that's Hypatia. Have you heard mm-hmm. of Hypatia before? Yes. Although and I think... It wasn't, it was one of those things that shows you, I think education is changing, but when mm. I was in school, I never came across Hypatia. Only, I only came across as an adult, but Yeah, so no, grateful. same here, same here. You know, like, I mean, I mean, people who are listening think, who, who is this chuffing Hypatia they're talking about? So, you know, Hypatia is a, well, shock, you'll have heard the pronoun, a woman. <laughs> yeah. Du, du, du. Oh my God. From Ooh, late demon. antiquity. <laughs> so for us, that's in classics, that's sort of late 300s, early 400s mm. AD. She lived in Alexandria, so in Egypt. Um, but actually that's part of the Roman Empire at the time. And, mm. you know, there's a big Greek uh, origin there because of the um, invasion of, um, say invasion is probably not, it's a bit over the top, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, the Alexander the Great's empire earlier on as well. So she is so unusual to us in classics and also for you in maths as well, right? Because she is a, she is a woman mm. that is a te- mostly a teacher, but she's kind of a philosopher, um, a mathematician. Sadly, we don't have any of her own work that remains. And it's thought that, in fact, she might not have created any of her own sort of theorems or ideas. She's she's more of what we call a commentator. Mm. So she would take past work. I believe Euclid's might have been one of them, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, her and her father, because her father also did the same in the same kind of line of work. And what they did as teachers is they would obviously they established their own philosophical school of thought and they were neo-Platonists. And mm. so they looked back at Plato's work, but they kind of were trying to kind of make it more practical. So she, you know, she's a great figure. It's really unusual. I just got to underline this because, you know, like if you're not a classicist, you're like, who cares? Right. But you just don't get women in these positions. And certainly you don't get women in, in the position of being able to, um, you know, teach men and have men looking mm. up to you. Um, but she's also just, there's some cool bits. I mean, I'm, I say I should be kinder, really, but um, like her death is pretty, it's pretty. Do you want to hear about it? Yeah. I, I, I shouldn't really glorify I, the death here, but there's a little bit about, 99% of classics is about de- the deaths. Because, you know, like the deaths are pretty hardcore a lot of the time. If you, God, you, know, you do so well, imagine it, Greek stuff would do so well on Netflix, wouldn't it? Forget Squid Game, just, just, just like. For sure. The whole Greek, ancient yeah, you civilization could just do world. It. <laughs> you could just do a whole series like Greek deaths. Yeah. That'd be like 58 series. It'll be like Grey's Anatomy. It'll go on forever. But yeah, so Hypatia got herself a bit entangled into this kind of like political intrigue thing and ended up kind of becoming a bit of a public enemy figure. And that's really interesting as well, because like, why did that happen? Because she didn't really align herself with any particular side. Mm. I mean, I should just explain for context. It's at a time that Roman Empire is in, in, in turmoil, sort of later in the Roman Empire. But there's loads of religious conflicts going on, whether you're a pagan or whether you're Christian or Jewish. And it's kind of like a bit like a keg. It's about to go off, really. So Hypatia gets stuck into this and her death is pretty grim. So it's not just one. They get her in a temple. Uh-huh. I mean, obviously this is reported. There are a few different yeah. versions of this, but I think we can, let's just trust it, shall we? Because it's a good story. She gets put in a temple and she gets dismembered, stabbed and burnt. It's not great, is it? Just for speaking truth. Well, no, this is what, why is very interesting. Like Mm -hmm. she says, it's in the middle of this kind of political fight between two individuals, Orestes and Cyril. Mm -hmm. Um, And Orestes is the Roman. Never trust anyone called Cyril. Cyril, I know. (laughs) 
He's actually supposed to be a bit of a bad boy, but I can't take him seriously with that name. So do you know, just Cyril, Cyril. Do you know, have you seen the raccoons before in the 80s, the cartoon? Yes, I have. Cyril, Cyril Sneer. Yeah. Like, and you couldn't trust Cyril, Cyril. There's a few younger people who are thinking, what are they on about? Yeah, I've lost about? it. I've lost the thread. You have to Google it, guys. Google it. It's got the yeah, best so, theme tune. It's got the best theme tune. It does. The so kids does. out there, raccoon yeah. theme tune, look it up. I need, to, I need to look it up, actually. See, this is the tangent again. We've done well there. I'm sorry, we're What tangent. was I chatting about? Hypatia, no doubt. Hypatia. But I mean, basically... <laughs> Yeah, I think it's what's interesting about her is she does meet this violent death. I mean, how, why is she a fit? Is she are people don't cross at her because she's a woman and she's teaching? I don't know if we can say that, but she certainly finds herself embroiled in all this kind of political intrigue. But the main point about Hypatia is, like as you say, we, no one is taught about her. You you might have come across her at university. I certainly came across her much later in life as well. Um, and I just thought it'd be interesting for everyone to understand that there that we have a female mathematician and and by all accounts an amazing teacher as well, Bobby. So someone we could look up to. And that's why I particularly love her because again, if you look at the etymology of the word uh, maths, it comes from the Greek mathema, which means like yes. learning or knowledge or study. And she's almost like a combination of all of them because she she studied mathematics clearly to a very mm. high level with her father. So I think her father was also like a director at the library in Alexandria. That's right, yeah, Theon, quite, yeah, that's quite, right. Yeah, quite a respected mm. mathematician himself. Indeed, But yeah. then, then she was someone that, that with that learning helped others to understand. And I think that's what's really important. Just like us. Just like us, yeah. You learn oh my something. God, Bobby, are we philosophers? Oh my God, we are. We're, 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 the, philo- we're the philosopher kings and queens. To be honest, to, be, to defend Hypatia's actual maths contributions, again, sure. we haven't got much of it, because no, of just the true. nature of work, they didn't have they didn't have the yeah. cloud then, unfortunately, where they, she could have uploaded. No, it, it would have been it. so much better. Wouldn't or it? a Facebook seen, account, yeah. like guys, I found a cool thing. <laughs> so Hypatia did actually develop ideas on algebraic equations on cones. Mm. So you know, if you get like a, a, a Cornetto, and or any other equivalent brand, and you turn it yeah. upside down, if uh-huh. you slice the, the, if you get like a knife and you slice it, you get oh, something yeah. called conic sections. And she did right. mathematics understanding that, so she did do that, and she cool. did develop also. Because back then, astronomy and maths weren't really distinct. It was just regarded the same field of like mathos, knowledge. So she yes. made it something known as yeah. an astrolabe, which helps us work out the position of stars. So she actually yeah. did work. But again, Amazing. I think mm. perhaps because of the nature of society, people weren't willing to give her the praise she deserved back then. No, you're right. I mean, actually, it's hard to know what contemporary views of her were, because actually it might, it might have been that she was quite popular. But mm. you're right, there is this... You know, the mathematical application that she was thinking about, you know, was very astronomical, but could have been considered astrological Mm, at at the mm. time. And so people, there were some accusations leveled to her about her being a witch, um, especially from the Christian um, kind of, you know, perspective, that Mm. she may have been kind of, you know, dabbling in these sorts of dark Oh my God, she predicted that the moon's going to move there based on mathematics. She must be a witch. She She must must be. Exactly, she must be a witch. Um, (laughs) So there was a bit of that going on, but she's definitely such a, I mean, for me, a really fascinating figure. And there's, I've got a really little gross fact that I've got got to tell you. Can you take it, my baby? I I had my breakfast already, so you're lucky. Okay, cool. Right. So like fame, because she was supposed to be beautiful and, you know, reasonably young. I think she probably died in her mid forties, late forties. So they don't quite know when she was born. But anyway, so she, she, you know, kind of very famously had suitors that would come up and ask her out, you know. I don't know how they did that in those times. Hey, I pay you fancy a Nando's. It's not going to be like that, is it? Yeah. Um, but anyway, so they come up and go, all right, I pay you. You look nice today. And what she would do is um, supposedly she, she got her menstrual rags out, which is, cool. this is what I told you, a bit gross. Okay, I can see And then you. she would show them to the man and say, is this what you want? I mean, that's so cool though, isn't it? It that- definitely would work. As a rejection technique, wouldn't it? Because if you, you'd be like, I'm gone. 
That's, that's how you, the Tinder date ends. Like you, you meet this Hypatia, likes maths, astronomy. Yeah, um, yeah tick. Ambitious. Tick. You're thinking, great for on you. You're like you're swiping. Which way? Which way? Swipe. Right? Is that the right? No, the because it depends. Some apps What's you, the good one? you click tick, other ones you swipe right. So Hypatia oh, would be know. definitely, I'd definitely swipe right for Hypatia. And when I meet her, okay. and we mm-hmm. have this amazing conversation about maths, astronomy, conic section, uh-huh. I'm thinking this is the girl for me. I mean, yeah, for you, yeah. But she doesn't. But then that would happen. And then she tells me her, the, the menstrual rag, and I'm like, but I still go for her. I'll be like, a woman that's got the, <laughs> the, the, the chutz part to do that. Like, she's, she's. <laughs> that, I, the thing is, though, I just thought that made her amazing. I just yeah, thought. Yeah, so do I. Can you imagine? I mean, anyway, let's not imagine it too much. But <laughs> can you imagine it? Like, oh my God. But, you know, I think she's wicked, and I think we could do a bit more to, like, I mean, part of my mission with my, with my podcast here and kind of what I'm going to do in, in my wider work is. I want to put a spotlight on people that we don't normally look at, especially in classics. Mm. You know, she's an unexpected character. And, I, you know, just a little mini shout out, as you said, to we're focusing a bit today in the sort of classical period. So therefore Greeks and Romans. We haven't really spoken about the Romans. One of the reasons we haven't spoken about the Romans, we didn't really do anything. Um, what they did is they took all the theories and ideas of the Greeks and applied them in the kind of, you know, architecture, building. So they were very good engineers. Is that mm. applied mathematics? Yes, that, I that, would say like, almost like, if you can think of like a business perspective, yeah. they are the people that commercialise the technology. So in like the 1950s and 60s, there were people uh-huh. that invented the transistors, um, the microchip, semiconductors, and we don't really know about them, but we do know about the likes of Bill Gates and but, Steve yeah. Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg because they commercialised it. So Ah, oh, so they're the Romans. Romans are like the Silicon yeah. Valley. They commercialised but the people before them, like the Greeks, actually came up with all the all the goodies. It's quite famous that, that people often say, I mean, I'm not saying this is true, a horrible generalisation, but mm-hmm. the Romans just stole stuff from the Greeks. I mean, in yeah. this particular case... It's a little bit true. Yeah. I mean, there are no known, um, you know, notable Roman mathematicians. Yeah, they're just. But actually, point. what I was going to say is, you're right that you know, like I'm an ancient world specialist in general, and we must acknowledge that the majority of these very early th- thoughts about maths, as you quite rightly said, are Babylonian in origin, mm. and you know, predate the classical period and and kind of centre around the Middle East and those sorts of areas, and that's really kind of the heart of this kind of thinking. And actually, we owe a lot more to those cultures than we than we might people might kind of generally accept today especially in western society so we should just kind of little acknowledge that little uh, there out, i think yeah. that's important little shout out to them right well i've got a little quote that i want to chat with you about bobby Ooh, and then we're going to play a little a little silly game because that's how i roll all I right that. here's the quote you're the five when you say roll i think of dice it's just how <laughs> i roll in the sort of <laughs> figurative gangster vibe that i've got going on today <laughs> And always. So this <laughs> quote is by George Sarton. Ooh. Know who he is? I mean, what, don't worry, it's not a trick because I didn't know who he was. I, I, don't know. I had to Google him. Who is he? Um, he is, uh, apparently, feel free to write it down. I see he's writing it down. Good boy. Yeah. You, get your notes down. George Sarton is, you know, he's sort of, Wikipedia told me. So yeah. I've just let's, just, let's just get that out there now. Okay. <laughs> 1884. 1956 and he's apparently the founder of the history of science as a subject area um so i I mean he might he's pretty cool but this is the quote right and i want us to sort of discuss it because to me if this is my like plenary and if you're a teacher you'll kind of understand what that means this is my kind of this is what i want us to ponder upon so listen to these words i am going to read it and i'm going to do it in my own voice i'm not going to try and do an accent i don't know where he's from (laughs) the study of the history of mathematics will not make better mathematicians but gentler ones, it will enrich their minds, mellow their hearts, and bring out their finer qualities. 
That is What's he saying? Do you agree with it? Do you think that my, my key question to you is, do you think we should do more history of mathematics as part of proper math study? Because I know my little ears would have pricked up. I mean, I'm a I'm, I'm humanities girl. I'd have gone, guess what? I kind of get the point now of it. So what do you reckon to his quote? Do you reckon Firstly, a, I want to say, to go? acknowledge, how have I never heard of that quote? That's magnificent. Because mm-hmm. if you're looking at it from a purely utilitarian Jeremy Bentham, almost like very uh, pragmatic perspective, you'll say all you need to do is understand the equations, apply them in a room, uh, and you don't need to interact with anyone. You just solve equations by yourself. Yeah. But mathematics is created by people who live in families, who live in societies, yeah. who live in eras. Yeah. And for you to understand the humanity of maths is more than just sets of equations. Like when Hypatia was looking at conic sections, she was building on the work of others. This almost like this pyramidal structure. The yeah. maths is... Like, yes, Isaac Newton actually had a quote that said, um, it was slightly sarcastic, but we'll take it at face value, like standing on the shoulders of giants. And I think the same oh, can yes. be applied to classics or maths or any field of maths in particular. Mm. Occasionally, there's like a grand leap forward. Someone like comes up with an Archimedes type eureka moment where he worked out For sure. density the of water. Displacement or whatever. Yeah, yeah. displacement. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. a lot of it is building on the works of others. Like, uh-huh. again, even with Hypatia, when she was doing work, looking at Euclid's work and trying to mm. understand things around it and then communicating it to others. And yeah. that's where the humanity comes. For sure. Yeah. I mean, to me, I mean, this is just proving why classics and maths are kind of, like I said, simpatico. They should be together. They should be... Well, obviously, my argument is that it should be all the time. You know, maths should be... Classics should be in everything all the time. So, Bobby, to end, I wanted to start... Well, you're going to be my first guest that does this, right? But my, I've got a little game. I mean, I'm hoping you're, you're ready for it because as a teacher, I reckon yeah. you got this. So the name of the game is Legitimates. Ooh. So what I'm hoping for from this game is that we see if our subject areas can become mates, basically. Have, okay. we, have we demonstrated that they can become legitimates? So what you're going to have to do is you're going to have about a minute. Yeah. And there's going to be a timer. Being a good teacher, there's no right or wrong answer. Yes. But I'll give you a percentage mark. Oh, okay, I like that. And then there's going to be a leaderboard Ooh. against the other celebrity guests that I have. Excited. So hopefully you're gay, you're up for this, and uh, hopefully just try and enjoy it. Got my so, stopwatch as well. Yeah, oh my god, he's even got what is that? A cast, old school it's a Casio. Casio. But I've got look, I've upgraded. Dude, that's Sorry, so cool. I've got I've upgraded recently. I've got an orange Casio. Okay, so I'm going to start the timer, Bobby. Yeah. Can maths and classics be legitimates? Starting now. So we have the 12 labours of Hercules, but the 13th one will be to explain why maths and classics are legitimates. So if you go back to the origin of the word maths, it comes from the Greek mathema, which is also learning, knowledge or study. And when you come down to the root of what it means to be a human, what it means to be a person, it's not just about learning things, learning about Pythagoras' theorem or understanding the, the universe or the solar system. It's how can you communicate that to others. And what we've seen in mathematics, especially like in ancient antiquity, the likes of Pythagoras with his cult, the likes of Hypatia and her teaching, the likes of Euclid coming out with a textbook, which is perhaps the second best-selling book of all time, there's a link between learning something yourself and then transmitting that knowledge to others. And classics is a way for us to connect with the past, connect with our, our, our ancestors. And mathematics is the same because A squared plus B squared equals C squared was the same 2,000 years ago and it's still the same today, and which is why classics and maths are legitimates. Oh my actual god. That was I'm actually yeah, I mean 
I don't know how, what percent to give that because I don't think there's a percent higher than 100, is there? <laughs> Can you do percentage high? That was amazing. Oh, thank I you. I mean, you've definitely proven that classics and maths can be legitimates from that. So oh, I'm going to give you an extremely high score. Thank I'm going to give you 98%. Oh, I like that. Right. I mean, what's it made up of? You probably won the marking scheme. It's made up Ooh. of just numbers that I fancy saying at the time. So, but that, you know, you were amazing. So that you've oh, set a very, 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 very high bar. I'm not sure we're going to get better than that, but let's just see. Because I'll give points for effort as well. And that was extremely high effort level. Yeah. That was, that was Sorry, phenomenal. I've got my watch. That was phenomenal. Yeah. So I think we can definitely conclude that they are legitimates, don't you think? Maths and classics. Thanks so much, Bobby, for coming today. I mean, I've learned so much about maths and I hope you've learned something about classics. I love that they've become really good friends, no longer enemies. They're good little mates. Yeah, we're holding holding our hands together there as good little friends. Um, You know, I love what you're doing. You're clearly a bad boy of maths, uh, just like Pythagoras. So continue doing what you're doing and thank you so much. And this has been Legit Classics with Jasmine Elmer and Bobby Seagull. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and I am the host of the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I have daily author interview podcasts, over 1,600 of them that I've recorded over the last five years. Hear from all your favorite best-selling authors, celebrities, and more, even if you're too busy to read the books. Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Again, that's moms don't have time to read books. Listen today. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.